Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. All right, so y'all know I usually got the earpiece. We got a microphone today because our mic is acting up, so I'm going to try to work around with the cord. If I get tangled up and fall off the stage, it's all good. I'll just keep preaching from down there, all right? So we're in Galatians um, 3, 26 through, I believe, 29 today, all right? So you can get your Bibles open. Or get your Bible apps open. For our church, it's probably Bible apps, all right? All right, so I'm going to just read through this real quick. Um, So the text is this. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Okay, so quickly, let's just recap what we've actually gone through um, throughout the series and where we're at, like, when we get here. So basically, Paul is... um, He's established the church in Galatia, like he's historically has said that he, he actually set up all the churches. He probably left a team of, um, of elders to put the churches in order, right? And so he comes to, um, he's writing to these churches and he's basically saying like, what in the world are y'all doing? He's, he's, he's hitting them up like a, like a loving father, like he's like, I gave you the gospel in the beginning of Galatians um, 3. He starts off by saying, like, oh, foolish Galatians. He's like, I gave you the gospel, and the Hebrew word that's used actually there means I gave it to you so vividly. It was almost as if you saw Jesus hung on the cross, right? So he's, he's, he's like, how in the world have you let somebody sneak in, be with you with a, a gospel that, that is not real? You know what I'm saying? That he's like, there is no other gospel, but with this fake kind of gospel that is saying that you by works have to work really hard you have to attain and meet these rules you have to honor these feasts and all of these things to be in unity with Christ and he's like that's not what I brought to you right so that's the nature of this the tone of this is so important because Paul is like if you could if you could imagine as we talk through this text imagine kind of the the frustration of a father like you know what are you doing like you know what I'm saying like some of y'all probably had that situation where you went to college and then your parents caught you wilding out, and they're like, yo, we taught you better than that. You get where I'm coming from? Nobody had that situation? There's a couple of people with shame on their face, all right? But anyway, so, no, but, so it's that type of situation. That's Paul's heart in this situation. It's, it's out of pure love because as he's, as he's rebuking them, he's also trying to grace them at the same time, and you can hear it in his tone, all right? So Galatians, 26, Galatians 3.26, he says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Right. So he's acknowledging the whole deal like it's through faith that he's constantly reiterating this through throughout the text of Galatians altogether. But specifically here, he's letting them know it's through faith that you are sons of God and through faith only. And then 27 says, for as many of you were baptized in Christ, have put on Christ. Um, So let's talk about this idea of putting on Christ for as many of you, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So. The concept here is, think of it as kind of like a Batman outfit, right? All right? I like Batman. All right. So Batman, he's just a human, right? He's really nothing without his gadgets and stuff. So he has to get that outfit on or, or you know what I'm saying, the joke is just going to work on him, right? So the idea here is that when we put on Christ and we put on this identity, we put on like we basically have on king, kingly clothes that now make us heirs with Christ. Do you all get that? So it's like 
our whole, the way we function, the way we move is now completely in a whole nother place because it gives us identity in the sense that we are now a royal priesthood. We're on mission. Um, we're disciples. We're in a disciple making community. We're repairs of the breach. What's broken, we fix it. Does that, y'all with me on that? So that's what he's saying to him in that scripture. For as many of you were, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So he's reminding them. You have a certain identity that comes with the idea that you put on Christ, right? And then in 28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you all one in Christ Jesus. All right. So this is where this scripture kind of goes different, because after making his arguments for grace and spirit versus works and law, it's kind of like, why does Paul make this statement after he kind of goes through the text? Like, why do we come here and he's kind of making this statement? And it seems like he's kind of pushing for this um, uh, equality, which I think would be more of a spiritual equality that he's actually speaking about when he's talking about this. Right. So what he's specifically getting at is this. He's specifically getting at that it was tradition for the Jewish leaders to wake up in the morning and specifically thank God that they weren't a woman, that they weren't um, a Gentile, and that they weren't slaves. So as I was saying before, when it comes to the, to, to the text and the tone, you have to remember, like, Paul is kind of slightly kind of slick. Like, he has a little bit of sarcasm in it. Like, he's, he's loving on them, but he's jabbing at the weakness in their whole deal they got going on. Y'all with me? So he's jabbing at them. So, you know, really grasp that tone. So that is specifically what he's actually doing right there. So Paul is rendering, he, what he's saying to them, he's saying the law life is invalid and he's pointing to the idea that we are all sons and therefore heirs with Christ. And the concept is this right here. Where there is faith in Christ Jesus, whether men, women, free, slave, Gentile, Jew, it equals a royal priesthood. It equals a peculiar people. people. It, it equals heirs in Christ, right? So people with a living heart and not a heart of stone. Okay, so that's what he's specifically getting at. So my thing is with that particular text, and let me just read the text again. Y'all know I like to bounce back to the text to keep you on point where we're at. So there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female for you all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, so my broader belief here is that Paul is also casting a vision for the church Christ died for and loved so much, right? Because... He, he's, he's jabbing at what he knows is an issue within the community, right? So it's like, if I can give you an example of this, when I talk to people about Christ or like, say I'm in the streets kind of talking about, I can talk about just the beautiful things of Christ because I know where it's lacking at, it's broken there. You get what I'm saying? So like, for instance, I may be talking to a guy and I may be talking about family, I don't have to really jab at his family specifically because I can talk about what it's like when Christ is in the picture and it shines a light on all of our darkness, right? Even me, even while I'm talking and I'm ministering, it's hitting me like what needs to happen with my family, with my home, and therefore it's hitting his home and it ministers to us all. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so a people with a living heart and not a heart of stone. All right, so that's the broad idea. Let me tell you why this is my theory also. I'm going to jump around in the text, and this is weird for me today without a, holding this microphone. All right, 
So I'm going to go to Galatians 1, 3, two, five, three through uh, 5. All right, y'all there? All right, so this is what it says. It says, so, and the reason I'm going here is this right here. So when you're reading a scripture or you're working through scripture and you're really trying to pull what in the world is this scripture about? Like, for instance, especially when you have a text like Galatians 3 and all of a sudden stuff jumps out of it and you're like, where did that come from? The best thing to do, one of the things you can do is go to the beginning of text and look at what is the author's heart as he starts off the text, right? So I went to the beginning to see kind of to get a picture of what is this broad umbrella that Paul is trying to paint in this particular situation, right? So he says, grace to you and peace um, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So remember, this is actually Paul's greeting. This is his greeting to the Galatians. This is how he's starting off the letter, right? So he hits him with that, and then the next thing he says is, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. So once again, there's that tone. Paul is like, man, you know, the grace, glory to God. I just thank you, brothers, and everything else. And, you know, I just appreciate you, glory to God. And he's like, I can't believe you fools. And then he goes into it like that's basically the tone of the letter. Like he goes into that like that. And it's, and it's a loving thing. Like I said, he's trying to grace him, but he's also kind of jabbing at him. But the thing I want to point to here is he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's pointing to Christ the whole time. He's pointing to grace. He's pointing to peace. And he said, who gave himself to, for our sins. He's trying to re remind them, like, he's the one who did the work, right? Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. He did the work to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So I think he's making the point, whatever, like, man, he gave himself to deliver us from this present evil age. So be aware we are in the evil age. Be aware also that he died and he did all the work. So he's trying to unearth this law type um, doctrine they put on. And the thing is, what he, he's, he's hitting it because this is what's happening. The enemy is messing with the body of Christ and all that goes with it. And Paul is taking it very, very personal. Um, it's, this is framed in the, in the idea that a false gospel is a poison, right? And it's a poison to the body and to the church of Christ. Does that make sense? So we talked about this last week. Um, I just want to sit here for a minute, make sure I drive home this point. We don't just do church because it's a cute thing to do, right? Like, if you're not hopeless, if you're not like Peter when he says, you know, when Christ asks me, he's like, you know, who do they say that I am? And, you know, and, and who do you say that I am? And, and, and then when Peter comes back and he tells me, he's like, Lord, we have nowhere else to go. If you think you have somewhere else to go, then you're in the jam, right? You're in the jam because you think that there's an option outside of Christ. The people who follow Christ in this text, they're absolutely hopeless. They're like, God, we don't believe in anything. We see ourselves for who we are. We look in the mirror. We see our brokenness. We see our, our wickedness. We, we don't call it, you know, little, like I was just kind of being kind of selfish. Like, no, it's actually wicked. Like, I'm about me, right? Because when sin, like it's when, I said this the other time, but I just want to drive home again. When Christ was talking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees was trying to defend himself, he said, you know, he said, hey, yo, if you're guilty of lust, then you're guilty of fornication. 
because the spirit of lust is just a seed that leads to fornication when it gives birth and fullness, right? So he's like, you'll be judged for the whole thing just as much, right? And then some of them were crazy enough to go, well, I never lust. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with that, brother. But anyway, like, so I'm like, good for you. All right. So anyway, but then he went, he went a little bit farther. He said, if you've ever been angry, then you're guilty of murder, right? And he was, he was basically just unearthing everything up under them like there was no defense for them. He was saying like the, the spirit of anger is the beginning of the spirit of murder. When it gives fruit, puts you in the right situation, the right scenario, there's no telling what you'll do, right? So that person you throw the rock at that you think is a murder, it'll hit you in the head if you don't be careful, right? So Paul is, he's killed Christians in the name of religion, thinking he was doing it for God, right? So Paul is, he's very sober-minded when it comes to where he's at. It's like, God, I have nothing to bring to you. I have nothing to offer to you. And so I see this gospel for what it is. It's just, it's just me and you. That's it. It's you on the cross. And if it's not that, then we're in bad shape, right? All right. So what, what he's doing there, whatever. So what I see is going on here, whatever. Paul is pointing to the fact like, listen, there is a better covenant. There is a beautiful way. This is what Christ did for, it, for us. And it looks like this. He's talking to these churches and he's speaking very much about our functionality, what is the atmosphere that's inside of our church look like, right? When he says, when he says in that scripture and he says, um, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. So when you, when you um, hear that, if you will, think of somewhat of like a, just an ecosystem that is, permeated by that type of thing right where there is nothing but utter like 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 the the golden rule rules that system you get where i'm coming from so you esteeming your brother higher than yourself rules that system right that you all walk around think about a church that is filthy rich right filthy rich with the grace of christ you get where i'm coming from so like you actually are fully aware that man we are actually children of the promise. So when we die one day, we are heirs with Christ. Imagine if you walked around like you actually knew that, right? I think I gave the, 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 whole, the whole, the idea the other day. It's like, if I throw you inside of the park or whatever, and I tell you, yeah, you got $400 billion coming in 10 years, but you can't work a job for those 10 years. You're going to be in the park chilling, just eating out the trash, just chilling like, oh, yeah. Because you're not going to care because you're like, you're the, the promise is coming. You get where I'm coming from? Like, it's not going to be a problem because you're going to be rooted in this promise. You're like, man, this is a little ugly. This gets a little rough sometimes, but I have a promise coming, right? So when I'm talking about the, like the church being a rich people, I'm talking about the church being a forgiven people, a content people, people anchored in the promise, right? And we don't have to claw and we don't have to fight for everything because we have everything. So when he's actually talking about this equality he's talking about a bunch of rich people who are rooted in Christ Jesus right rooted in the promise I'm gonna jump to the last scripture I'm still working on on on, on verse 28 but let me just read this real quick 29 says and if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise and you can die every day like this right and you can die just I'm sorry I read a note I wasn't supposed to read. I hope y'all didn't catch that. All right, so, <laughs> all right, so I have a little story, right? 
Y'all know I always have stories, right? So I think I, already, I, think I might have told this story before, but when I, was in, uh, when I was a kid, I think I was like in grade school or something, I had this friend, his name was Jason Austin or whatever. And, um, and like I said, I think I told this story before, but I'm going to repeat story teller, and I'll tell it to you like you never heard it before. I just do stuff like that. So just rock with me, but it's, it's appropriate for the context of where we're going, right? So my friend Jason Austin was like, he was like the tech hipster nerd before it ever happened, right? He was that, like all, like he had, he had the part to the side and the whole deal, that whole look or whatever, right? So I used to love him, but he was like the type of nerd type dude that would, he could take your chick because he so was like setting his identity. You know, we were only like in fourth, fifth grade, you know what I'm saying? Like he used to draw like airplanes and jets and stuff or whatever, but he had kind of like this kind of pompous kind of air about him, but he was the man, like, because it wasn't like he was like, you know, I'm a nerd. He was like, you know, like, this is how I rock it. I don't care what y'all are doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm drawing my jets, making planes, whatever. All the girls come ask me for questions and for answers and stuff, and, and, and so he just had it on lock. So he was like, you let him hang around your girl too long, that type of confidence is a problem. He'll take your girl from you, right? So I, so I knew Jason was on some other stuff, so I hung a little tight with Jason, right? So, all right, so Jason used to always, and just to let you know why I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this because I'm talking about what it's like being rich. This is my silly example. They get silly sometimes, but nevertheless, this is how my mind works, right? So anyway, Jason always had his snack game together at lunch, right? <laughs> and my sister can attest to this, my mom was slacking on the snacks a little bit, right? Is, is, that not, is that not the truth? My mom's over here today. Like, she was slacking on the snacks a little bit, right? I'm just, I'm just telling you, it's the truth. I love her to death. You know what I'm saying? But she give you the sandwich and all that. But, like, I'm like, man, where is all the other stuff, all right? So... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just keeping it real or whatever, right? All right, hold on. Let me air something else out real quick, whatever, up here, all right? So, so look, this, look, it's funny I have on khakis today, right? So y'all know I always have to jab at khakis all the time and stuff, whatever. But part of my khaki issues came from my mother also, right? Because, and I'm going to tell you, this is the truth. This is why. Because when we were younger, I would say, hey, mom, yeah, I want... A, a new skateboard for Christmas, right? She always was like, son, I just came out of Steinmart. They just got a whole new thing of khakis in there. Every color of the rainbow. Son, you're going to look so sharp in them. I'll get them hemmed and everything. And I'm like, I want a skateboard. I don't want no khakis. So there it goes. She, she, she made me go into fashion, and she also made me hate khakis at the same time. All right. Back to my point. All right. So, so here's the thing, right? So, so Jason always had these star crunches. I love star crunches. Every blue moon, my mom would get the star crunches, but not as much as I wanted the star crunches to come. The frequency wasn't on point, right? So I never knew or whatever, right? So I would go to Jason every day, and I would be trading him, like, stuff or whatever. I'm like, yo, bro, I got this right here, this and that. Hit you with half a sandwich, man, like lunch meat and all that. Let me get on the star crunch. And Jason, like the boss that he was, he would be like, here, bro, keep the sandwich, man. Like, straight boss. And, 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 and I swear to you, I, I, I swear to you, and the reason this came up in my sermon is because yesterday I was blessing a friend with something, and when I did it, I thought about Jason. Like, it had that much of an impact on me. To, like, I, when, I always was jealous in a way of his giving. Like, it always, like, 
till his day has an impact on me because he just was like, I valued this Star Crunch something serious. Like it was like, bro, I got to have it. I hate them now. I can't even take them no more. But for some reason, they were like the best thing on earth back then. But Jason like just freely, freely gave them like it wasn't nothing, right? So that's my example. <laughs> Work with me, man. Work with me, all right? That's my example of what it's like being free in Christ. Like, you don't have to claw, you know what I'm saying, and scratch for the star crunch. You work with me, all right? All right. All right. I'm going to jump into, I'm gonna get, y'all going to get it after church. I know y'all going to get all over me over this one. All right, so I'm, right, so I'm going to jump to Ephesians 5, um, 22 through 33. Remember, I'm working one-handed up here, so bear with me. All right. This is that bad time when everybody's looking at you, and you know you don't know where books of the Bible are, and you're like, <laughs> you just like kind of lie. You're like, oh, I stopped to study something. Oh, my bad. I just got lost in the scripture over here in, in, in Luke and stuff or whatever. We're going to get there. All right. All right, so Ephesians 5.22. All right, so. I'm just going to run through a few examples of what this actually looks like and something we can actually relate to. Um, when this, I'm going to read the scripture again for you. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's talking about an atmosphere and he's jabbing at the atmosphere they have and he's talking about freedom and uh, something that, you know, he's like, this is what Christ looks like when you walk in the fullness of it, when you walk in the freedom of it, um, when, you know, because it's like, this will be easy to see in the scripture. So we're going to do Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And this is the scripture every man whips out on his wife when she gets out of line. Uses it as the law, right? But we're going to read through it and I'm going to show it to you where it's really about freedom. And this goes very much with the context of what Paul is getting at because he's saying like he's, he, this, this whole argument is based in the law verse freedom in the spirit, right? So this scripture, we, we, we use this, uh, this is a perfect example, because this scripture is talking about freedom. It's not talking about, babe, you better cook what I want you to cook and do what I tell you to do, because the word says it. Like, I didn't heard Kat say that a million times. I think I might have used it a couple times. <laughs> Sorry about that, babe. Anyway, all right, so let me read through this, all right? So it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So peep that out. Wives, submit to your husbands. But then it says right after it, Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its savior, right? So saying submit, but it's saying your role as a husband is that you're to love your wife like she's your own flesh, right? And that as if you're her savior too. So let's keep reading. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit and everything in their husbands. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he, like he says up here, as her savior. So now you're actually gracing her with mercy and love for the sake of healing her and being a part of the process of producing the fruit that God wants out of her life. I mean, that's a crazy, that's a, that's a whole nother game, ain't it? That's, that's a whole nother deal, right? Because it, it levels the playing ground because all of a sudden we're not kickboxing no more, right? I'm like now checking you out like that. Man, she's lifting her leg up and trying to kick at me because this has happened to her. This happened to her. And you're now just not, 
you're not adding up somebody's brokenness to use it as a weapon against them, right? You're adding it up to find out, like, how can you bring redemption to it, right? So you just think about any religious people you know. Like, you hear them on Facebook all the time, whatever. People are like, you know, I'm walking in the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> walking in the spirit of the Lord today. Wish people would get their stuff together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Something crazy like that, whatever. Like, it could sound like it can even be a scripture, but it's actually used because it's like collecting data against other people, right? And it's, they're using it to, to kind of do this self-righteous thing and lift themselves up. If you're not collecting data for the sake of trying to figure out how to help somebody, then you're completely in the wrong, Right? Because it says we're going to be judged with the judgment we give. So going back to the scripture or whatever, let's see how that fits in, in, in there real quick or whatever. So there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are ones in Christ Jesus. So, man, imagine when you lower yourself, you esteem others higher than yourself. If you esteem your mate higher than yourself, right? If you were on the bottom, if you were walking around, I think, I think about this sometimes. Like, if I was messed up, tore up from the floor up, and I was going around and I was injuring people and I was hurting people, and um, which I am messed up, tore up from the floor up, but anyway, that's another story. But I'm hurting people, and I'm not even aware that I'm hurting people because just something that may have happened to me. If I could come out of myself, I would pray that somebody would see me and do the hard work of walking me through it, even while I'm jabbing them up, hurting them, turning on them, Right? but actually enduring so they could see some type of fruit come out, come, you know what I'm saying, come out of my life, right? Some people are like screaming for help and they might be punching. It's like trying to save somebody drowning in a pool. They may get a tooth knocked out trying to save them. And it's like, hey, calm down, I'm trying to save you, but they don't know what to do but scream, yell, fight, and call for life, right? But nevertheless, they still want you to save them, right? And you're putting your life at risk. It's going to cost you something. They might pull you under too. But... This is kind of what I think this is barking up the, the tree that, that uh, Galatians is hitting at in a broader, broader sense, right? Um, I'm going to read through this real quick. So it says, so that, so that uh, washing of water with the word, I'm still inside of Ephesians um, 5, all right? It says, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is what we're talking about with your wife. Bring this into the context of your wife, right? It says in this, or your husband as well. It says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his flesh, but nourish and nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is, found, is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband, right? It's actually a very beautiful passage. All right, let's talk about this slave or free type of deal. Let's go to uh, Philemon, 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 all right? Now, this is one of those, this, this, says, this only has one chapter, so this is one of those ones where you definitely be, you know what I'm saying, you're like, you're like okay, all right, we're going to find it up in here. I'm going to let my pride down. If anybody knows what book is it after, just let me know. And, uh, hey, nope. Is it after John? With, you know, 
I'm at Revelation now. We got to back up. Hebrew? When did they put that in there? Okay. All right. All right. I think. You said right before Hebrews? Okay. All right. Wonderful. All right. Nobody's coming back now. They're like a pastor who doesn't even know where the button. All right. So, all right. I got it. I got it. I got it. We did. All right. So, all right. So, we talked about slave or free, right? We talked about how, how Christ, when we believe it, it levels the playing ground. It levels the playing ground if... Um, if you understand that you are now a believer and you're now rooted in Christ Jesus based off of his work. If you don't believe that, it does, doesn't level the playing ground because you think that you actually earned it. Is that clear? That makes other sense to everybody? If you think that you actually can be good enough and earn your salvation, then of course there's no level playing ground with you because... You're like, hey, step up to the mark. I'm out here doing my Christian thing every day. I'm on my fasting game three times a week, all of that. You know what I'm saying? I pray crazy long, and you need to get on it, all right? So there's no level playing ground or whatever. It's like step up, get like me, because I'm like Jesus. That's basically how it is or whatever, right? So Paul is kind of differentiating the two or whatever, right? So, but we're looking at what happens when Christ steps in the picture, when we go back to being aware, because Paul is jabbing at the context of the people he's speaking to, because he knows that once their doctrine has gotten off, the context of how they love and look and the ecosystem, so to speak, which I'm probably misusing that word, but it still sounds good right there, how it's supposed to work. All right. So, um, so Phil, Phil, Philman. I couldn't find it, so you know. All right, so filming verse 10 um, through 16 is what we're going to read. This is Paul, um, and this is just an amazing scripture, so I'm just going to read it. It says, I appeal to you for my child. I say Osimus whenever I see this. <laughs> Brother's name, Onesimus, all right? Y'all see it up there. All right, so I, I appeal to you for my child, Osimus, whose father I became in my, I'm just going to say it, real. I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord, but of your, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was partnered, partnered, part, excuse me. I can't see very good. My Bible's in my shadow right there. Okay, so, um, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, right? So, let me bring you up to speed real quick. Paul is actually talking um, to someone about a guy who is a slave, right? So Onesimus is actually a slave. And Paul is sending him back to um, somebody else, right? Who is he talking to here? Okay, I'm not sure or whatever. But all right, so he's actually talking to another apostle, right? And he's sitting, he's sitting once from his back. So now listen, he's a, so this guy's actually a slave, but he's been with Paul, doing life with Paul, 
and he's, um, he's, he's, he's following Christ Jesus. So listen to what Paul says. He says, if, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So I'm going to stop right there because my point I'm trying to make here is this right here. This goes, when we first start off in Galatians, we point to the fact that um, we're making a statement, like Paul's making a statement to them. He's like, Jesus Christ is, is, is saving us from this evil world, right? And, and we had this conversation the other day, but the things that are evil, the injustice, the separations, we've become carnal in the sense that they have become normalcy to us. You know what I'm saying? They've become normalcy in our day-to-day life that we don't even really see them anymore. And so, but when you see love on this extraordinary level that levels the playing ground, it's like, whoa, you know you just encountered something different. When the Bible talks about us being peculiar people and the fragrance we have on us, it's like this right here. Because when we walk in the room, we set things in order because we're rich. Why wouldn't we set them in order, right? So Paul is saying, what he's saying here is, he's like, man, take this slave and treat him as me. He's Paul the apostle. If anybody has the, the, the mean, the, the, the respect and the esteem to give, to have the, the, the credit to walk around like a boss or the big guy, right? Paul has it. But he's actually lowering himself and he's saying, treat this slave just as me. Not only that, he's actually taking on his debt, right? He's saying, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. I'll take care of that, right? Going the extra mile that somebody could be redeemed to Christ. It costs something sometimes, right? It costs something sometimes. It really does. All right. Now let's look at the Jew versus Greek, right? I don't have a scripture for this, but what I want to point to this is it's the Good Samaritan story, right? So the Good Samaritan story, it's custom and it's tradition back then for the Jews to never walk on the same side of the street as the Samaritans, right? As the Gentiles, because it's like, yo, they're disgusting. And it's literally, that is their tradition. We walk on the other side of the street. And so in that story, when it talks about the people walking by, you have a Levite and you have a couple, you have a priest and they all leave the man on the side of the road laid on the floor, right? It's a cultural issue there, right? It's, it's one culture esteems itself higher than somebody else, right? So I guess we could probably pull this out of our, we could look at it through the political system. We could look at, at it through the uh, jail system. We can look at it through the education system, all type of things where Things get off balance, right? It happens in all communities, right? Black, white, everything, whatever. It happens. It happens in our relationships just individually face-to-face, right? It happens because we're broken, we messed up, and we do stuff like that, right? It happens. So in the Good Samaritan story, you have a person who's on the ground. He's been beat up by robbers, and everybody's kind of watching from across the street, right? Remember, we're talking about level ground. We're talking about when Christ comes in, he levels the playing field. And we esteem our brothers higher than ourselves. Let's ask ourselves a question. If somebody robs you and you're laying on the ground and strangers are on their way somewhere, matter of fact, on their way to a really, really important business meeting, 
what would you want them to do? You would want them to stop and get you off the ground and help you out, right? Like, it, this, it, it becomes very, very, very clear. But the thing is, when you have a stony heart, like these were, in the, in the text, these were religious people that kept on moving. Because when you function off the law and you have a dead heart, it's easy to say, hey, our law is this right here, and I'm esteeming to be good and keep moving, right? That's what made them keep moving. They were followers of the law, following to a T. We don't touch those type of people, right? But Christ is saying, you're actually injuring, you, you, you're breaking my heart watching that because your heart is dead, right? Y'all tracking with me? So that's that right there. That's the Good Samaritan story. That's, that's the Jew versus Gentile or versus Greek. That's the difference between, um, that's what we're looking at when we say something's unclean and when we don't look at it through the lens of Christ and what he did for us and look at it like a rich, rich, rich people, right? Christ levels the field. He gives us new eyes to see clearly and a new heart to love with. The love overwhelms and confounds the difference that keep us at odds in an evil world, right? You just think about this context that we're in right now. You think about the diversity in the room. You think about the, the area in town we've been called to serve, right? If you take, when we talked about putting on Christ, right? And like I said, it's like a Superman outfit. If you take that outfit off in this context, we are good as done. We are like a city without walls where the enemy can walk in and just do whatever he wants to. There's so many opportunities for offense. There's cultural differences. There's different opinions and, and music. There's all type of stuff, right? I say this all the time, and the reason I do is because I wanted to bathe our mind as a church. We're peculiar people because we forego our preferences to see God glorified. That's what, that's what makes it, that's, that's the beautiful fragrance that comes off, right? That's the beautiful fragrance. I love when everybody's rolling together and on Facebook and taking trips together and it's Kentucky or something in Kentucky, out there in Kentucky, whatever. Everybody's floating and just doing their thing or whatever. Like, I'm like, wow, everybody just loves each other. Like, we're, we're doing that thing. We're doing what he's talking about in this word, right? Okay. So, and I'm, I'm going to start closing up with this right here. But, so, this is what I just want to leave everybody with. That text is not a big text, but it's saying a whole lot. But there's another thing that I know is uh, a threat to us as a church, okay? It's that we begin to think like the law, right? We start thinking, the first thing we do is start thinking what we have to attain to. Like when we see these things, sometimes we may be talking about, like we just touched the whole male and female, esteeming others higher than yourself, the slave verse free and what Paul did and everything. And the first thing in our mind is, oh, we got to do this. Oh, God, I'm not doing this in my life. And we start putting on this weight, right? We start putting on this weight of how we need to be better. Man, I need to live like that. That, that was awesome. I see what he's saying and I'm not doing it. How do I get there? So I just want to proclaim this right here. This is good news. God is patient right? He's patient. So have faith. He's not only sanctifying us in a sinful sense, he is sanctifying our opinions, our will, our desires. They're all becoming more like his every day. I don't have it together. Matt doesn't have it together. Our master plan is the master. That's it. <laughs> the goal every week is to come up here and preach about Jesus Christ. 
and to and to beat ourselves every day to learn how to love each other more, love y'all more, us all love each other more. You get what I'm saying? Like Jesus is the master. He's the master plan. There's not anything outside of that. Like we're not banking on anything else to do it. Like if you go to every single class we have, that's not going to do it until you get Christ and you have and you understand that he's everything. He's the work. And we're all going to be patient and do life together. We're going to trip on each other. We're going to offend each other. It happens every week. But that doesn't mean run. It doesn't mean take flight. It means be patient and have faith because we have a God that is long suffering. And he, and he, he is a, a master, master painter. And he's painting a picture, right? Paint an amazing picture. Um, praise team, you can go ahead and come up. So I have a story uh, real quick to tell you also. So this is what I mean by he's making, he's sanctifying us all together. So a couple weeks ago when I preached, right, I gave the story about this one dude or whatever on Facebook that he had said something like super stupid where I felt like I just thought it was mad dumb. And it was like, it was just something like I felt was super religious, right? So I preached about it and stuff. I told the story. Everybody laughed about it, whatever. I thought it was pretty funny. And then I go home and I get convicted about it. Like I really get convicted. So I pull up in my driveway one day and I said, man, I said, God, why does this dude post bother me so bad? I was like, why do I get so frustrated? I'm like, I see stupid posts all the time on Facebook and everywhere else and they don't mean nothing and I'm like why does this guy's post bother me so bad and I felt God was just saying to me like he's like because you love him it's like you always love him since back in the day you don't even know him that well but it's just always been something about him like you just gotta have you just kind of have this love for him so it kind of irks you and you're kind of disappointed well so then I said well God I said you know what if this was flipped over and I stumbled up on his sermon and he kind of said something that I said on Facebook, I would be offended. So I'm like, man, I had to eat that. First thing in my mind is kind of defend myself. Well, I was just saying this and that, da, da, da. But God really was pricking me in my heart. So I said, man, God, so I, I got to repent. And the next thing that came out of my mouth was I said, God, all right, so this is kind of a mess because I need to repent and I probably need to acknowledge it to him. But is there a way that you can actually get fruit out of it, Right. Because this is a new thing for me in the past, like, two years where, like, you know, when something used to be a mess or somebody's kind of jacked up, I'm like, I'm going to stay away from that dude. But now I realize that I'm a mess and that person's a mess and God takes messages and gets glory out of it, right? Does that make sense? So now I'll run from it. I'm like, God, what are we going to do here? Whatever. I done made a mess and did something foul. This brother's a mess, in my opinion. What you going to do with the messes? Like, can you paint a masterpiece out of this, right? So I hit him up on Facebook and I said, bro, your posts get on my nerves. This is not about that. You know what I'm saying? But I actually need your forgiveness. And I said, you know, and I told him what I did. And I said, please forgive me for it. And I said, you know, I repent of it. And I'm just asking you to forgive me. And, you know, I, I love you and I, I love your family. And I think this is what's right, basically, or whatever, something like that. Right. So he hits me up. Yo, Jay, I forgive you. Right. Didn't he? Then he hits me up and he says, yo, let's go to lunch. So we go to lunch th this week and we had the most amazing lunch. And it was crazy how much God was like hitting us about the same things. And like, you know, like just over the years that I haven't seen him, what God has had been doing with them. And we're kind of arriving at it from two different angles and there's some friction there and everything. But nevertheless, we end up in a situation where like I'm like, I'm pretty much 100 percent sure 
meanness God called to sharpen each other. Ain't about him having it right, me having it right. God got something going on here, right, for his glory, right? I'm going to read another scripture real quick. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. I'm trying to give everybody super good news going out the door because I don't want anybody wearing this yoke of what they got to do and how they got to get it all right. God is patient and he's amazing. And I'm about to prove to you he's amazing. Watch this. So Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. It says, and every priest stands daily at his service Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. Now watch this. For by a single offering himself, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So let's just back up. So when you, have, when you came into Christ, you have now be, be, you've now been perfected for all time, right? I don't know of anything like being half perfected. I'm not aware of it, half perfect, right? It says you're perfected, like you're perfect in his eyes. When he looks on you, even on your most disgusting, filthy things that you may have in the closet that nobody knows, he looks at you as perfect, Right? He looks at you as perfect, but he also sees the reality of where you're at and is completely serious about the sanctification process. And he uses, he does it, he, he, as a body, he uses us, right? So we're jabbing at each other, we're tightening each other up. Bro, how's everything going? How's everything going with you and your wife? I know you tell me you're having problems with this issue, whatever, I've been praying for you, whatever, how's that looking like? You know what I'm saying? And then when brothers get a little bit too lost, like, homie, you tripping right now, this is what the word says, we need to reel it on in, all right? He's justified us for all time. Like we say this all the time, but like I just need everybody to see that as a scripture and really know it's in the Bible. It's in there. He perfected us for all time while he is sanctifying us. So just chill, relax, and trust him. He's going to do what he does, right? He, he, he's, he's, as we hear this word, he's positioned our body towards the things that are dear to his heart. And he's going to help us get there. Don't go home with a backpacking a bigger burden on right I'm gonna try to wrap it up with this have y'all ever seen who's seen the movie live die repeat with Tom Cruise throw your hands in there like you just don't care all right all right so I'm gonna mess up the movie for everybody real quick I'm gonna mess it up but I got to all right John you seen the movie you gotta see that movie we're gonna watch it together all right so all right, so live, die, repeat. So the movie is this, this basis or whatever. Like, basically, there's this alien attack. Um, there's this big alien or whatever, anything with this power or whatever. <laughs> it's going to sound stupid, but anyway, just bear with me. Tom Cruise or whatever, he, um, he's, not, he's, not a, he, he's like a, a highly decorated soldier, but more of a political face or whatever. So he's not done any combat or anything, but he gets thrusted into combat or whatever because the world's being attacked and it's like, homie, your games have changed. We don't care about all those things on your jacket or whatever and everything. You're about to go to war. That's basically the, the premise, right? And so what happens is in the movie, he gets, to go, he gets on the battlefield and he dies, but he keeps waking up in the same place every day. 
And so he's going to the sergeant's like, hey, I've never fought a war. This is going to happen, this and that. He's trying to tell him what's going to happen, whatever. And he's just like kind of this cowardly guy. The other soldiers are looking at him. And then as he gets farther every day, because after a while, it's like a missile gets shot. He kind of steps back because he already knows it's coming because he's already died from that missile like 13 times. You get the concept? So like it's happening every day. And he can get a little bit further because he's, he knows what's going to happen. So at a certain point in this movie, right, at a certain point in this movie, Tom Cruise is starting to get fully aware of his mission. Like, he, he, he's, a, he's aware of the mission he's on, right? He's like, I have to save the world, right? I'm called to do it. I have this, this weird thing happening to me or whatever, and this is giving me the power. So it's not, no, I'm just scared anymore or whatever. Like, by the time he gets to a certain point in the movie, he's like, you know, when he's meeting the same person, he's like, all right, I know you are, homie. All right, let's go. All right, ready? ready. Yeah, let's get to the helicopter. And he's like, give me five. I need eight grenades, 13, this and that. And he's like, ready to roll, right? He's taking hits every day to get to that point. But that's how it is for us, right? It's like live, die, repeat. Every single day, it's like live, die, repeat. And like, be patient. Because as you live, die, repeat, get injured, get hurt sometimes, go through these things, as you saturate yourself with the grace, mercy, and forgiveness that we all need, if we don't get it, we're through. We're like a city without walls, right? The enemy's going to come in and take... I'm going to offend you by the... I, I need a tic-tac right now. You come talk to me, I'm going to offend you. It's just going to happen. All right? One way or another, I'm going to step on your toes or whatever. So that if you don't deal with mercy and forgiveness, we're all out the door. Right? So we live, we die to ourselves every single day, and we get further. After a while, you become so aware of who called you, how you were called, and the mission he's called you to. And you jump about the bed like, let's get it. Let's get it. All right. All right, I don't got time. Devil comes with the same stuff he's got you with a million times. You're like, I ain't got time. Let's keep it moving, right? Verse 29. I'm going to end it with this. And if, you, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Paul anchors this section with that right there. You are rooted in the promise. Therefore, you are filthy rich. You have been richly forgiven. Therefore, you are equipped to richly forgive. You are richly equipped to set all things that are off balance in order because you don't need nothing. You don't have to. You, you can be vulnerable. You can be taken advantage of because you got $400 million coming up the road, right? You get what I'm saying? Like we, we, we have eternal life coming so be anchored in the promise we're heirs with Christ Jesus so right now you get to go and live die repeat every day like Tom Cruise that's my sermon